Okay. Good morning, everybody. Uh, and welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. Uh, my name is Craig F., and I'm a re, uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is October 5th, 2020, and today we're reading from the big book, and we're going to be on page six, page nine, uh, the sixth paragraph that starts, but he did no ranting. We're in Bill's story. Today's readers are uh, Nancy P. for the text, and Maria F. will do the vision for you at the end. Um, the reference numbers for uh, yesterday, Sunday, October 4th, is 15,480. Uh, the OA preamble says, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask... Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Marge? Thank you, Craig. Marge E. from Massachusetts. Uh, The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. I pass. All right. Thanks, Marge. Next, we're going to ask Beth Debbie to read the 12 traditions. 
Hi, good morning, Craig. This is Beth W., compulsive overeater from Bismarck, North Dakota. Thank you for letting me do service. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I'll pass. All right, thank you very much. All right. Um, our, meeting, uh, our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the, from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic uh, and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To press, to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. Uh, Today, we're going to be sharing on page uh, six, the uh, page nine, I mean, the sixth paragraph that starts with, but he did no ranting. We also are going to ask that uh, if you've shared in the last couple of days, that means Thursday or Friday, uh, that you uh, uh, refrain yourself from uh, sharing this morning to allow everybody to have a ch chance to share a lot of people on the line. So um, all that being said, I'm now going to ask uh, Nancy P. to get us started. Uh, Nancy, are you on? Yep, I am. Thanks, Craig. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. But he did no ranting. 
In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. Let me just set my timer and push my cat away. Um, okay, so, yeah, um, no ranting and um, a practical program of action. That's what I needed. Um, I have been, I had been, have been in Overeaters Anonymous since 1971. And I never had any recovery or any, I, I don't even like to say recovery. I never had any relief from, especially from the obsession of the mind, never mind the allergy of the body, until I um, went through this big book with my vision sponsor. And I'm not saying that vision is the be all end all that, you know, the people that organize vision say that it's only a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And that is true. It is only a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting. So that's what I needed for me. And I also needed to be at the very bottom of where I was going to be. I mean, the elevator is, is still going down for me. I mean, I could get back on that elevator and it only goes down but I chose to get off when I chose to get off. And, um, you know, I had been overwhelmed. Just like what, what it said in the previous, um, some, one of the previous paragraphs, food was my master. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Food was my master. And so, you know, I was beaten, bruised, and broken at that point. And I couldn't do much of anything. But one thing that was, you know, that I knew to do was I knew to call a friend who um, lovingly um, – took me in hand and said, you've got to call this number, which I did. And again, all I could do was the next right thing. If, the, if, if they had said, are you ready to accept God into your heart? I would have just gone back to eating. I really would have. But, you know, this agnostic got what she needed. I'm an, I am an agnostic. And um, I tell people that I talk to, the only reason I don't actually, am not actually an atheist is because I might be wrong. And I don't want to, you know, in the end, I want to say, I thought maybe there could be a chance. But the, the practical program of action was what I needed. And nobody said, nobody said, start at the end, Nancy, and backfill everything else in. That's what I always wanted to do. I was always willing to eat and be thin. Or when I wasn't eating, I wanted to, you know, be recovered. And then I would, you know, do a fourth step and I would make amends and sort of, you know, at my convenience, at my leisure. But there's no shortcuts in this program. I had to do everything that it said, exactly as it says it, in the order that it says. And until I did that, I didn't get better. But when I did that, I got better and I got better fast. And so today, you know, I'm not saying, you know, all of my problems are alive and well. I tell people this. My, my life is like a popular nightclub. One problem will get solved and then the bouncer says, okay, you next five, you can go in. There's not, you know, there's only room for so much. I got plenty of problems and plenty of issues, but they don't own me anymore. Today, I work a program, you know, of honesty and um, willingness or, you know, food, the food issue has been removed. It doesn't exist for me. I don't, just like what the book says. I mean, I say I'm a one-trick pony with surrender, but I'm thinking about changing my handle to Nancy. I'm going to stop to Nancy, just like what the book says. So anybody that's thinking about it, anybody that's jerking around and not doing it, take it from me. You don't need to spend 47 years in the dark. You can come into the light, and with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Now we're ready to take names from... Uh... People, and see if we can get about six names. Who would like to share on this paragraph Matt, that was just read? Matt Rachel K. R. Rachel K. Maria F. R.
I have a Rachel R and a Rachel K and a Matt M. Did I miss Nessa somebody? R-F. Nessa? Yes. <laughs> there was another person there. Maria S. Leah S. No, Maria S. Craig. Oh, Maria S. Claire E. from the UK. Uh, who was that from the UK? Claire E. I, I'm not understanding the name, but I'll put it down. Claire E. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, I think that's enough to get us started. Um, Rachel R., would you like to start? Was there a Rachel R., or was it just a Rachel K.? I'm a Rachel K. I don't know if Rachel R. is around. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Rachel. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> I'm uh, RK. Uh, hi, my name is Rachel Kay. I'm a compulsive overeater from California. Yeah, um, thanks. I uh, love this paragraph. Um, you know, because I love that it says, you know, it's a practical program of action. Um, that it's not just a, a simple idea. And the idea is important because unless I have the idea behind, unless I have the principles behind these steps, um, you know, then they're, they, they kind of lose meaning. But I can't just have principles. I have to have steps. I have to have, you know, you need to do A, B, or C, 1, 2, or 3 through 12. Um, later on in the book, you know, I think it's page 43, it says, uh, spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Um, I can sit around pontificating about, um, you know, if, if uh, he had brought the, these principles to Bill and said, well, this is the idea, um, but hadn't said, okay, this is, this is what I did, um, then, uh, you know, this would all be kind of hollow and empty. Um, I have to put my money where my mouth is. Um, I can't just spew high-minded ideas. Um, I have to take action in these steps. And when, and, and that's why this book is so miraculous, why it gave me power where I was absolutely powerless, absolutely hopeless in the face of my disease, but it gave me power. It put me in touch with a power greater than myself that could solve my problem. But I have to do, as was already mentioned, the next right thing. Um, what is it that this book prescribes um, that I do next and then wait for the results? Okay, what do I do next and then wait for the results? Um, because the results aren't up to me. So anyway, I don't know if all of that made sense. Uh, my name is Rachel Kay uh, from California, and uh, thank you, everybody, doing service on this call, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Rachel. Uh, next, we have Matt M. Matt? Thank you, Craig, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., the compulsory reader from New Jersey. Yeah, this book uh, really gives me the design for living that really works. You know, I have to practice these principles every day in my everyday life, not just in my OA life, you know. Uh, the book is there to work the steps in order to give me a new way of living, and I'm very grateful for that. I worked the steps recently with my sponsor, and I had moved on to a different sponsor to help me get more clear to slice boundaries around my food and everything because it's, it's, an all, it's an all-inclusive program. You know, I want to learn how to be a better person, and that's what this book and that's what this OA program is teaching me, you know, how to be a better Matt. 
because when I'm in the food, I'm a very selfish person. I'm, a, I'm not the person I'm meant to be. And, you know, reading Bill's story, it teaches me, like, what it used to be like and what how he became a better person by working the steps and by going through this, the process with Ebby. And I'm very grateful for that, you know. Um, I learned to be a much better person by going through this process every day, living my life in 10, 11, 12, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I'm being transformed one day at a time. And um, as long as I stay on the, the straight and path, as someone said, the elevator, I can go. I can keep going down, choose to keep going down and down and down. But I, I'd rather have the bottom hit me now rather than die from the, in the disease. I'd rather be recovered and stay out of the disease one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Matt. Uh, next up, we have, uh, I think, Nessa. Hi. Good morning, Vision, for you. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Okay, great. Yeah. Um, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I did a lot of ranting. Um, you know, I like being right. And, of course, I was right when I approached somebody to convince them that they were a compulsive overeater. And once they were convinced, I convinced them that they had to do what I did. Um, that didn't work very well. It was actually um, the opposite. It was quite off-putting. It's impossible to convince a person against their will. And, um, you know, I wish I had learned uh, or looked at more closely at this paragraph because it is not my job to convince anybody. You know, people, first of all, have to diagnose themselves. You know, it says so um, three times in the, uh, at least three times in the, uh, in the big book, that people have to diagnose themselves, which is kind of paradoxical because this is the only disease where the patient has to diagnose themselves. And it's also the only disease that tells you you don't have a disease. Uh, but that's what it requires. Maybe it requires a lot of pain. Pain um, is the, the final, the ultimate convincer. And once they are convinced, you know, I don't have to convince them that what worked for me is going to be what works for them. All I have to do is tell them, this didn't work for me, this worked for me. Uh, and they have to come to their own conclusions, you know. If they want what I have, do they want to do what I do? Um, I don't have to impose it upon them. And uh, that was the beginning of my career as a, as a recovered person, and it didn't end up well. Now I just let people come to their own conclusions, um, you know, which is a lot more effective because when people balk, when people uh, come up with excuses, then I can seem to say, listen, I didn't tell you that you're a compulsive overeater. You told me you're a compulsive overeater and you want to recover. So what are you willing to do? You know, it's actually um, a lot more productive to do it that way. And I'm so glad that uh, I finally uh, understood that being right is irrelevant no matter what the situation is, whether it's in my own life, in my relationship with others, or in my approach to sponsees. Um, it is not my job to convince anybody. They have to convince themselves. Um, and uh, that's why it says on um, you know, page 59 or 60, you know, being convinced, um, uh, we were at step three, right? A person has to convince themselves, reach their own conclusions, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Next up, we have uh, Maria S. Maria? Good morning, Craig. This is Maria S., Recover Compulsive Overeater from County Dublin in Ireland. 
And this is a great paragraph. There's so much history in this paragraph. And uh, it shows overwhelming evidence, you know, that the hand of God was involved in joining the dots together that day um, that brought about this program of action. And, and I think, you know, without the hand of God, none of this might have happened. And, and you know, Evie's telling Bill about the two men, you know, these two sober alcoholics who were Roland Hazard and Cyber Graves Jr. and leading members of the Oxford group. And they appear in court and they ask the judge to allow Evie to be released into their care. Um, and as someone says on this line always, you know, is it odd or is it God that the judge on that day happened to be Cyber Graves Jr.'s father? Um, and Evie's given a choice that day, you know, you know, the choice is, you know, do you want to go to Brattleboro, the insane asylum, or do you want to go into the care of these two men? And he doesn't really want to go into the care of the Holy Rollers, as he calls them, the Oxford group, but it's certainly better to him than the insane asylum. Um, and it says here, you know, it says they had told the simple religious idea, which is God, and a practical program of action, which are the steps. And, and with this, Evie stays sober until November when... Um, the Oxford group tell him, you know, that it's his turn now. You've got to go out and give testimony because they knew that in order for Ebby to keep this, he'd have to give it away. Um, and Ebby thinks of, you know, who can I give this away to that will cause me the least embarrassment? And he thinks of Bill. And when he goes to share his experience with Bill, he, it says here, you know, he doesn't rant. He didn't, doesn't come across as, a, as an evangelist. Um, and it's this simple approach that Bill, that gets Bill's attention. Um, because at this point, you know, Bill is hopeless. You know, he's absolutely hopeless and desperate. Yet he sees something working in Ebby. And, and what he saw in Ebby was hope. Um, and we see more of that on page 12. You know, we read a couple of days where Bill says, at long last, I saw, I felt, and I believed. And what Bill saw in Ebby was a drunk who was sober. And above all, he was sober and happy. And what he felt um, from Ebby was hope. And Bill believed, you know, that if Ebby could recover, then just maybe he too could recover. If he could believe in a power greater than himself and take the action. Um, and Ebby knew the solution, but he didn't know the problem. And Bill had the problem from Dr. Silkworth and odd or God, because God knew exactly what he was doing that day, that the problem and the solution come together in one person. And that person was Bill Wilson. Um, and I think it sums it all up at the end where it says, you know, it worked. You know, because it works. It worked for Ebby. It worked for Bill. It works in my life today. You know, so this program, this program of action, you know, the belief in a higher power and the 12 steps, it works. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Uh, thank you, Maria. Now, uh, this next name, I'm sorry to say, I I don't know that I got right. Is it is it uh, Crawl? Uh, Hi, it's he, Claire. Claire. C-L-A-R-E. Claire. Claire, yeah. Thank you, Claire. Okay, go ahead. Hi there, my name's Claire E. I'm from the UK, recovered compulsive eater. And thank you for everyone that does service and for the shares so far. What a great paragraph. Um, first word that really struck me, strike me three, is, is, is the word ranting, you know. And um, I've been on the receiving end of ranting at me. And uh, I think there's a little cartoon, isn't it? There? There's a little dog that when the human starts ranting, it just switches off. And as soon as someone started ranting at me about my behavior, I would just completely close off. There was just no way that I was listening to any of it. And, um, and the same with me. If I've done ranting, I can just see people's eyes glaze over. I can't listen to people ranting at me and I can't rant at others. And to me, this paragraph just describes the best way that we can do a step 12, really, is uh, very matter of fact 
share our experience, share our simple program of action, um, share that it's a simple, in fact, I wouldn't ever say these days that it would even be a religious idea. At that point, it was because it was the Oxford groups and we didn't have the 12 steps. But, you know, now it was a simple spiritual idea and a practical program of action. And the practical program of action is what really attracted me was it stuff I could do. Um, it wasn't some sort of weird, ethereal, spiritual thing I sort of had to get. It was practical steps I could take. And I was promised that when I took those steps, as outlined in the big book, and surrendered that I would have a spiritual awakening and I didn't need to question that um, and the other thing that really you know sort of strikes me about this paragraph is it was two months ago you know it's not big amounts of time that Ebby's been sober um, it's you know eight nine weeks or so of, of his abstinence and suddenly you know he's got that glow in his eyes his roots uh, grasping new soil that that look that Bill W is attracted to so it's really evident that it works and it works quickly if we take the steps and um, I just flicked forward, actually, to the Working With Others chapter um, while the other shares were going on. And, you know, it talks about everyday language to describe spiritual principles um, and sane, quiet, uh, your talk being sane and quiet and full of human understanding. And certainly I know from working with others that the times I can really hit that note and I can share as shoulder to shoulder, just as a, someone who just happens to have found something that really works for me um, without any ranting, without any holier than thou, without any you know, you've got to get this um, and that absolutely let someone else, you know, sort of come to their own conclusions. That is the um, conditions that I found most effective and um, and most beneficial to me as well. It's it's um, it's a genuine passing on and sharing from my heart um, about where I've been, you know, what happened and what I'm like now. And um, and yeah, it does work. It does work. I was talking to someone who's in relapse yesterday and I've been there many times before. And, um, you know, I know for a bulimic, hardcore, low-bottom bulimic like me to, you know, been able to abstain, been abstinent from, from doing that for nearly three years is an absolute miracle, an absolute miracle. And I will leave it there. Thank you very much for letting me share. Okay, thank you very much. Now we're ready to take some more names, uh, another lineup. So let's see if we can get six names and I can put my hearing to work here. Who's, who's, who would like to go? This is Larry K. Jen A. Okay. All right. Who else? This is Raquel from Israel. Roxanne from Israel. Yes. Liz in the UK. All right. Who was that from the UK? Liz. Liz, and then there was some. Simone J in Florida. Simone. Who? Christine A. Christine A. There was somebody S. Jen A. No, I got you, Jen. Was somebody S just? Uh huh. Somebody S just then. No. Well, that's six, so I have Larry K., Jen A., Roxanne uh, from Israel. I got Liz in the U.K., Simone J., and Christine A. Um, did I miss anybody? Uh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, all right, uh, go ahead, Larry. Well, thanks, Craig, for your service. Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. 
you know, just a bit of history I learned from a lot of these giants that came up for me and just studying that, you know, the Thatcher, you know, Ebby Thatcher, you know, what got him into court here, um, we, we know, and it was spoken earlier by another share, uh, Claire talked uh, beautifully about this, but the Thatcher residence uh, became notice, noticeably needed uh, uh, a paint job. So Ebby took up the challenge and the, I guess the ladder wasn't tall enough, so uh, he got permission from his brother to hire a local painter to to help complete the job, and you know, Ebby being busy, he he, he remained sober for uh, for this period. But he said, you know, as soon as it was completed, with nothing to do, he went right back to the bottle. That was always his deal. And his friend Zebra, uh, right, Zebra Graves Jr., he helped uh, locate and hire a, a painter. And then they, you know, they finished that in Ebby's, uh, the, the pigeon story. If you heard the pigeon story, Harlan talks beautifully about this. Um, they had lots of pigeons around there, and Ebby uh, extracted uh, um, from one of his recordings, he talked about this. He said, um, and I'm quoting him, another time after drinking heavily, I decided I wanted to rid the house of pigeons, and it was dark outside. And believe me, he says, it was pouring down rain, so I loaded the old double-barreled a shotgun and I went out and I was backing up to get a shot at them, these pigeons, right? And the lawn was wet from all the rain and down I went, he said, and I landed on my back. So there I was lying on my back and, and I didn't see any reason to get up and shoot at them. So I was banging away from the ground and I guess the neighbors could see me and, and can imagine what the neighbors did. And, and so, you know, from there, I mean, in a drunken state, this guy, he's shooting up pigeons, you know, from a house that was just painted. And he went, out, went on to say in Vermont at this time, there was a law that anyone arrested three times within a year is going to serve a mandatory six-month sentence in jail. And as Claire beautifully said, you know, when he got into court, his buddy Zebra happened to be Zebra Graves Sr. that was the judge. And he, he released... He released Abby to Roland Hazard and to, and to Zebra, you know, and then, and then he was introduced to the Oxford Group movement at the time, which then fast forward here as he began to practice those principles and put the alcohol down and so forth and got sober. One of the things was he had to carry the message to someone else. And of course, then he shows up at Bill's, at Bill's home, and that's what he's trying to do there. Was it, was it odd? Was it God? I don't know seems divine to me here we are in 2020 and we're trying to we're trying to to get well some of us right stay well it's all meeting. it's all divine to me it's all divine with that i pass hope i didn't step on your stuff here jen <laughs> thanks thanks craig all right thank you larry next up we have jen a jen hey good morning craig thanks so much for taking the meeting and thanks for hearing my voice I know it's not easy. <laughs> I've been in your spot. Uh, my name is Jen A, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Littleton, Colorado. And um, this paragraph to me, wow, you know what I really, really like about it? Well, I, I'm a girl of the big book, and I like to study. And so I look at where Bill uses this A and D in between the things that he talks about. Um, in elementary school, I learned about it in a cartoon. I think it was called a song called Conjunction Junction. <laughs> and it brings two um, things together. And um, what I've learned from that 
is that these two things, this simple religious idea and this practical program of action have to occur at the same point in time, right? And that's what Bill teaches me. And as I go through my big book, I circle all those ands. I like it, right? A simple religious idea is what I had to have, and a practical program of action is what I had to take part in. And, you know, I'll just share my experience on this one is that I had a religious idea. I had God. I had religion. Um, that wasn't a problem for a girl like me. I went to the church. I read out of the Bible. I believed. I gave wholeheartedly. I, I truly believe 110%. But the food and the obsession and the allergy, I didn't know I had it. And so I was begging for God to change the situations and circumstances in my life, right? Because I thought that you all were the problem, right? Mm -hmm. I thought that people, um, the places, and the institutions around me were, were the problem. And little did I know that I just happened to be this beautiful girl that has this beautiful disease. Thank you, God, that the doctor prescribed that and told me that in the first chapter, right? But you know, that simple religious idea. And then when I came to the room with Overeaters Anonymous and you pulled out that little blue book in front of me and showed me the practical program of action, that's when it got real. Because the two of them together really work. And that's why here, even in Bill's story, when we're talking about the um, Oxford group movement and the six absolutes or, or the six steps, um, you know, it's, it, it started here, and then it just got bigger and better. Bill, God used Bill in an amazing way, right? And now we're still doing it today. And I'm just so grateful. The other thing I'm really grateful is, is that, um, and I know we don't see it happen very often, but um, it encourages me um, to, to get to the Zoom meetings for the newcomers and to come here in the mornings, mm -hmm. is because these two men, Roland and Sieber Graves, came and, and helped a guy out, right? I'll never forget the day that two women from northern Colorado sat in a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous across from me and shared a message of depth and weight, how mm. they had been changed, how this program changed their life. And you know what? That made a difference for me. And so I'm going to keep coming back, and hopefully something that I say will make a difference in somebody else's life, just like those women did for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Craig. Have an awesome day. All right. Thanks, Jan. Um, Next up, we're going to have Roxanne from Israel. I would like to ask you, though, for everybody to check and make sure you're muted. Um, we have a, a few people that I can hear, and I know you don't want to disturb the meeting. So check and make sure you're muted. Roxanne, you're up. Is there a Roxanne from Israel? Her name is not Roxanne. What it was, was it? Raquel. Raquel? Okay. Go ahead. Did you want... Did you ask, put your name forward to share? No? All right. Well, let's skip and go on to Liz from the UK. 
Liz? Hi. Good afternoon. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much, Craig, for your service and for everybody um, on the line who services this. It's just amazing. But he did no ranting. Um, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. I mean, for me, I guess the person where I really heard this simple idea was a few months ago in the pandemic when I turned up for a retreat um, with Harlan G. And that, for me, really spoke to me. And the simplicity of a program, studying the big book, has just transformed my life. I've been in the fellowship for eight or nine years. I had not understood what I understand today. And that is just amazing. And I... For me, as an addict, I am an expert at overcomplicating everything. Even, you know, making a cup of coffee, I can make complicated. Um, and, you know, for me, simple is really, really, really good. And also practical. I really like that because, you know, I got amazing sponsorship. And my sponsor's on the line, so thank you to you. And it was practical. I got signposted. I, I was told she was going to be my guide. She's not going to be my friend. She's not going to be my therapist. Just really clear. And do you know what? That was just amazing. So for anybody who's new on the line, really just encourage you to um, reach out and speak to people who are recovered. The other thing I have really learned is that it's so good to be around a lot of really high-quality recovery, which on this call there is, and that has made a transformation for me. So I'm Liz E for Eddie. If you want to find me, I'm in the UK. Uh, love to hear outreach and available sponsorship, sponsoring rather, and I will um, hand back to you. Thanks a million, Craig. All right. Thank you, Liz. Next up, we have Simone J. Simone? Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the meeting. I'm in awe um, because um, I've been banging around for a number of years. Um, but today I finally feel like I can actually open my mouth. I am a recovered sponsor for today. Thank God, by the grace of God and with the help of all of you. And, um, I, this is the first time I'm sharing as a recovered sponsor and, um, uh, I've been very nervous, um, but, um, I really identify with um, this reading, you know, this line, because I too, like many of the other people who have spoken on the line, I have been in this program for, oh, probably close on 11 years. Um, but this is the first time I, and I've, I've you know, I've had bouts of um, what I'll call abstinence as opposed to recovered because there is so much more that I know now that I didn't know before. And for me, the beauty in all of this is just that no ranting and raving, you know, 
um, clear-cut direction from the big book. Um, no workbooks and, you know, I mean, I did so many different ways of, of trying to do the steps, but this is the first time that I did them clear-cut through the big book, very simple and very, very quickly. And for me, that was key. Um, I needed to do it swiftly. And now I have the honor and privilege of, of taking a sponsee through the steps very quickly with no ranting and raving. And the miracle is, you know, just going through these steps um, with another compulsive overeater. And it's almost like I'm going through the steps again, but even actually on a more deeper level um, through her. And this is just through listening and, you know, giving feedback when necessary. But it's unbelievable. And I, too, am a religious woman um, and yet realized that when it came to this area of my life, I was completely agnostic. And I could sit in, in my case, I could sit in the shul in the synagogue. I could do all kinds of, you know, observances and all kinds of stuff around my religion. Um, yet when it came to my relationship with food and my relationship with God in that arena, and obviously it spilled into relationships with others in my family and you know, husband, children, and that sort of thing, I was completely agnostic. And that was a massive revelation for me because I grew up in a religious household, uh, raising my family in a religious household. So how on earth could I have been agnostic? Um, but I was. And I am just very grateful for all of you today. Um, thank you so much. Um, and um, I hope that there will be an opportunity for us to leave numbers at the end. Um, and I welcome outreach, especially this week, since I have a few days off of work and uh, really would love to use the time to connect. Thank you ever so much. All right. Thank you. And who, and who, who just shared? Was that Christine or Simone? Am I Sim losing that my was mind? Simone. That was Simone. Simone. Christine. Okay, go ahead, Liz Christine. from the UK and Simone J. Yeah. And it's Christine A. Now, Craig from Northern Ireland. I'm a grateful uh -huh. recovered compulsive overeater. And um, yes, that paragraph means an awful lot. And I appreciate uh, a lot of the shares, all the shares before and everyone's service. But yes, this is a different way of life for me. My background is I have come from AA and had gone through the big book and have come here and found a vision for you and the scales were taken from my eyes um, when I was on a vision for you um, from Scottsdale and it was basically that uh, people come into you away from AA and other fellowships and without maybe the knowledge that food was their first addiction. And that really hit home for me. I've been using food from a very young age to cope with life and uh, just the recovery I'm finding in a way and finding new life amazing uh, within hearing these studies on the big book. 
has mean has meant an awful lot and it's just lovely hearing all the input and insights from everybody and the history and the wisdom. So that's all I'd like to say. But pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Um we have some more time, so we're gonna take a few more names. Who would like to share? Am I being heard? Hello, this is Raquel from Israel. All right, I got you, Raquel. Who? Kay. I'm sorry. Kobe K. Mm-hmm. All right. Who else? Nobody else? All right. Raquel, let's go. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Hi, hi to the whole family. And um, I wanted to share about this, uh, Abby saying, I got religion. And uh, I know that there are some people for whom it is kind of, well, you know, we're talking about spirituality and he is coming out with, I've got religion. That is the language that was spoken in those days. I don't know anybody was speaking about spirituality aside from Dr. Jung to to uh, Roland Hazard, who explained that spirit and uh, spiritum counter spiritum and all that. But um, yes, he, what he meant is that he, he has changed completely his view on life. But my heart goes out for Abby because um, I don't know, it doesn't look like he had a chance to do all the steps the way that we are doing it now. And the story goes that uh, when when uh, when Bill came back from from uh, Akron uh, to um, to New York, and Abby saw that he has another friend that he has, Doctor Bob, that caused the tremendous that broke his heart, and that he went back then to the to the drinking. And my heart goes out for him. The other thing I wanted to speak is about about my Abby and how it came about, because that is the miracle. Everyone who is sharing about their Abbey is another story of miracle. For me, it happened in 1979 in, um, in Connecticut, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. There a lovely secretary lady who uh, was struggling with the weight the way I was. And she, at that time, there was this um, Cambridge diet, I think they called it, that uh, some kind of a white chalk that we put in a cup of water and stir it and drink it. We drank it, she and I, until we almost threw up on each other. But she had to stop because it did some other things to her. But she said to me, there is something else, this thing called OA. I tried it, but I don't have time. She had little children. Why don't you go? And I went to OA then, that, that year, and... Uh, many, many twists and turns of story of how many different kinds of OA I tried because then I moved to Boston and there in Boston, that's when 
when um, Gracie started, and so on and so forth. But I must say that not until I found Vision and started studying the big book with all of you guys that I really am starting to get a little bit uh, more of uh, of uh, spiritual and emotional recovery. Um, and the fact that I have almost 12 years of clean abstinence is not is not it. It's just a foot in the door, so it shouldn't close. But now, what God is bringing upon me, I'm starting to accept a lot better that He's the one who is running the show. And it's very helpful to really surrender. And it, it didn't happen over one day, it's 40 years. Thank you. And every newcomer there, you should feel encouraged and keep on coming back here to this meeting. Thank you so much, Craig, for letting me share. Okay, Raquel, thank you very much. Next up, we have a Toby K. Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, hi, this is Toby K. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in uh, Long Island, New York. Um, it's really funny because I also grew up in a religious home. And uh, my mother would say to me, Toby, you're, you're religious. You're a religious person. Why can't you stop eating? And I didn't really see the connection. I said, what is she talking about? But I didn't have this, uh, and she didn't know anything about OA, that's for sure. Um, but I didn't have the practical program of action. And just to stop on my own, uh, even asking God for help, which I did when I was a little girl, I would ask God at night, please make me thin. Um, And um, it didn't happen. So I didn't know the connection between the religious idea and the practical program of action. And that's what I was missing. Uh, And uh, that's what I have to concentrate on, the practical program of action. And thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Okay. Um, thank you. We have a few more minutes, um, maybe one or two short shares. Anybody else like to comment on this paragraph? Judy Kay? Okay, go ahead. Hi, yes, this is Judy Kay, recovered as a miracle in Cary, North Carolina. Um, The difference between religion and spirituality, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. You would think that they're always going hand in hand, and they're supposed to, but they don't. They don't go away. And here I thought I was a religious and spiritual woman. I thought I was spiritual before I became religious. Until I had to do the fourth step, the fifth step, the eighth step, the ninth step, and had to look honestly at who I was and what my part was. I never thought 
I never thought I was a dishonest person. Uh, <laughs> I thought everyone around me was dishonest, but I was the one who knew the truth. Well, God's shown me through working the steps uh, how all-important the truth is. And that's that's part of being spiritual, living in the truth. So uh, I just love this meeting. I love all the people who've shared. Uh, I've tried to look up Raquel a hundred times in the uh, member list. I don't have her information. This is Judy Kay in Cary, North Carolina, and I'd love a callback. So thank you so much, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. We still have time for one more share. Anybody out there want to? Craig. Yes. It's uh, Fran um, in New Jersey. I actually wanted to get Simone's phone number. I was wondering at what time you give them. Um, but also, um, just to share, um, my Ebby is nothing as earth-shaking as some of these stories. I walked into an OA meeting at a time when, as everybody knows, there wasn't even the term eating disorder. OA was new. And I saw a woman who was really great-looking. And I thought, well, if she's doing this, then I'm going to stay and listen. But, you know, we all get to the program in different ways and different things motivate us. And I could see that everybody in those rooms had not only, you know, they say a glow, but it's really true. There is kind of a glow of abstinence. And um, I know we're supposed to say they were glowing spiritual, but they were just going abstinent to me. They looked like they were calm. They had kind of resigned from fighting this disease. They had found an answer. It worked for them. There wasn't a lot of ranting or raving. They were just calm, and they worked the program. And I'm so grateful that for that superficial reason, I got hooked. So thanks for letting me share. And I don't know, I was just wondering about the phone numbers. Thanks. Yeah, we do the phone numbers at the end of the second hour. Um, ah, well, can so, I put out there for Simone to give me a call? I looked up your number, but I couldn't find it on the members list. So, uh, thanks. Well, I think you've already done that. So, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Um, all right. Um, all right. So, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a call it a meeting. Um, so, um, thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Um, the share ID for uh, yesterday was still 15,480, um, and I'll have the share ID for today's meeting here in a minute. Um, the uh, uh, now we'd like to we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So um, let's see, Maria uh, F. is going to read the, the vision for you passage. Our Thanks, book is Craig. Meant to be Go ahead. Thank you, Craig. My name is Maria F. for a cover compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until